Do you ever see those clickbait lists online? They're usually titled 101 films you have to see before you die. They pop up every once in a while. But tell the truth, how many have you actually seen? These movies are so ingrained in the fabric of modern pop culture through references and homages that you'd be forgiven for thinking that you'd actually seen them. So why not join me, Sam, a self-confessed cinephile who currently works in the film and television industry and even went to university to study film and TV. The only issue is, I've not seen many films. And me, Joel, a man who likes films a lot but is constantly described by his friends as overly anal and picky. But I'll let you decide. Each week, we will break down and review a different film, from zany cult classics to what many describe as cinematic masterpieces. Do these films deserve the legacy they've been given, or are they just overrated, bloated rubbish? Let's find out, as this week we discuss Stand By Me. This is a thousand and one movies we have not seen. Stand By Me, the 1986 film directed by Rob Reiner. This was dark, wasn't it? I, I know. Not what I was expecting. Not at all. I mean, it's a Stephen King book, so I knew it wasn't going to be gumdrops and rainbows. Oh, did you, did you know that going into it? Yeah. Oh, no, this had like the, the based on a true story mic drop at the end where it went based on a book by Stephen King and I went ah that makes sense now it came up because it's on Netflix so I just popped on there and it came came up with straight away like this is a Stephen King book oh no I didn't read that yeah oh yeah no it it had a mic drop moment at the end for me and I just it made total sense I went no as soon as it it came up as a Stephen King book I was like well this is gonna be jolly (laughs) (sighs) this felt so much like a book that had been gutted and ripped apart, didn't it? I don't know. Do you There's think that? Plot. Yeah, I think so. I know. There felt like snippets of plot, didn't there? Like all the flashbacks and stuff. Yeah, I no. See, what I got from this was this is a book without the internal monologue. Yeah. But then it did sort of have an. In- it did, did have the monologue. It did, it, it did have a narrator. It had, but it the, had a rough it, narrator, didn't it? It popped yeah, in it like three rough. times. Yeah. It's it's an odd one. It's a very odd one. It's very much like It. It has such a similar like feeling. Well, yeah, it's, it's, I, I know of It, so that's probably quite similar isn't it it's like a children cast dealing it's with adult stuff similar. Yeah. yeah well it's another stephen king property yeah yeah he, he knows what he's writing um and they probably came out about the same time maybe probably. so maybe he was on a little very samey kick here um yeah right i think let's get into it yeah here we go in 1985 writer gordy lachance reads a newspaper article about a fatal stabbing. He recalls an incident from when he was 12, when he, his best friend Chris Chambers, and two other friends, Teddy Tuchamp and Vern Tesso, went searching for a body of a missing boy named Ray Brower. This was near the town of Castle Rock, Oregon, during Labor Day weekend in 1959. As a child, 
Gordy's parents largely ignored him due to grief over the death of his older brother, Denny. Good cast, isn't it? It is a good cast. Very, very good You know when you, like, recognise people? Yeah, it's you recognise people, but they are so young. You you go, is is that? And, like, they catch them in a certain light, you go, I think that's who I think it is. Yeah, because I don't think this film, it's sort of, like, cold open. I don't even know if it has a title sequence it just sort of yeah it just gets starts it It doesn't doesn't tell you who's in it because if it had told me who was in it like films nowadays do i'd have gone of course that's who it is but no i spent 90 minutes going is that will wheaton yeah (laughs) yeah for me it was the guy who plays ace who's just in like random other stuff like the 24 and lost and oh yes 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 i still couldn't tell you his name Kiefer sutherland yeah, yeah, that's the one. I, I was watching it going, that's a very young Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> and and Corey Feldman and River Phoenix. Um, yeah. All, oh, well, with the exception of River Phoenix, all went on to have pretty successful careers, I think, and are Which is still acting today. Somewhat surprising, considering the acting in this film. I don't know if you want to comment on that or not. Interesting. Um, I I thought it was a bit rough. Oh, see? Okay, I've got a note here saying, considering they're children, and children usually struggle to act, these were very good, I feel. I thought these were all given a really, really good performance. I think the kids gave a better performance than the adults in this film. I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. But that's because... The, the adults acting is pretty shocking in this film. But, but it shouldn't be. Because it shouldn't be, no, not at all. It's a big uh, budget movie, isn't it? Yeah, there's well, a fairly decent budget of about eight million. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, and it's like, it, it's a good director as well, Rob Reiner. So he knows how to bring out a good performance. But yeah, normally there's a bit of leeway with kids. I was going, considering these are children... They're all pretty established actors at this point. Yeah. Um, I think the guy who played Teddy Duchamp was great. Uh, I thought the guy who played Gordy was weak. And then Chris Chambers as a character just didn't seem to make sense to me. Okay, so so Chris Chris was River Phoenix. Teddy was Corey Feldman. And who, sorry? Gordy. Gordy, yeah, the main character. G- Gordy's Will Wheaton. Um you... Is he? Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even realise. Yeah, that's, that's a 12-year-old Will Wheaton. Mad. It's, yeah, they're pretty good, I feel. I think you've been a bit harsh on them. I mean, I... I... The, the problem is, they're pro- they're good for child actors of the time. I mean, they're not, they're not as bad as, like, you know, the child actors in the first Harry Potter movie. Nowhere near that bad. Which is not their fault, by the way, because I've seen the behind the scenes, and it's the director saying oh be super extra surprised and like the first take was much better and then like he's pushing them to do silly child acting but i think my standards for child acting is now way too high because of stranger things yeah fair um which i now took a leap and a bound in child acting performances yeah i i I think it's i think they're Definitely, definitely, Stranger Things is better. Um, 
And I didn't realise quite how heavily influenced Stranger Things probably was by this. Like Oh, for sure. In hindsight, think, oh my god. It's That is such a shout because like now looking back at it, I'm just like, oh Stranger Things is just like a version of this with a better plot and better acting. It's and better directing. It it's weird <laughs> to say. It's like Stranger Things is like if Stephen King had written this book now. Yes. Like it's since he's gone uh, maybe this was fairly early on in his career. I don't know, I'm not I'm not really up to date with the the writings of Stephen King and his back catalogue. This seems pretty tame for him. Um It does. The it does. same I was with waiting like, for something bigger to happen. Yeah, with like Shawshank. It's was. more like a character piece. Yeah. rather than like sci-fi horror but I feel like it's almost like the creators of Stranger Thing walked in and went uh, stand by me but a horror film and mm. Netflix went here's lots and lots of money so going back to the setup of these characters I quite like the treehouse scene um I... It's weird seeing twelve actual twelve year old smoke, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird to I, I suppose. Yeah, it's the eighties, isn't it? Or not? Yeah, yeah everyone, like, more... everyone and their mums smokes around here. Everyone and their mums, and it's set in the fifties, so it's even sort of yeah. Uh, you probably wouldn't do it these days. Um, no, and it's one of them, isn't it? I love a treehouse in a film because it's the most inaccurate thing in the world. You, yeah. you can't just have a tree out in the middle of a park. Like, you. <laughs> no, not at you all. You go there in real life. It'd secret be clubhouse. F- it'd be <laughs> full of special brewer needles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so the secret clubhouse is nice. Oh, that prosthetic ear. Odd Teddy. Did you spend the first like three minutes going, what is that? I didn't even notice he had a prosthetic ear. Yeah, the burnt ear. I don't even think. You, I... Are you serious? No way. I don't think I noticed that. Google it right now. Okay, hang on, Teddy. Teddy. Teddy T. Champ. I I couldn't stop looking at his ear all movie. Uh, I didn't notice that. That's what I was looking at all all movie because uh, it was bigger than his actual than his other ear. How did I not notice that? It was like way oversized for his face. Oh, and that makes sense why he didn't get his... Um, what a nice bit of world building I completely missed. Moving on. <laughs> I know, I'm, I can't move on yet. Go on. You didn't spend the entire movie looking at that ear. I didn't. No, I was too busy looking at... Maybe that's why you were noticing the acting. I was too busy engrossed in this freaky film about four kids who want to go and see a dead body. Right then, let's continue. Vern overhears his older brother Billy talking with his friend Charlie about finding the body. Billy does not want to inform the police because it would draw attention to the car theft he and Charlie committed. When Vern tells his friends about the body, the four boys, hoping to become local heroes, decide to search for it. After Chris steals his father's pistol, he and Gordy run into the local hoodlums, Ace Merrill and Chris's older brother, 
eyeball. Ace threatens Chris with a lit cigarette and steals Gordy's Yankee cap, which is a gift from Denny, his brother. This is such a weird mm. old school American thing, isn't it? Mm. Older boys picking on younger boys. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a very UK thing. We don't really have that here. Like if there's bullies, they're in the same year group. Oh, I mean it depended what school you went to. Oh, My really? school was like the Wild West. <laughs> oh. Up in the north. Oh, have you up, oh. up in north? Back in my day up north, uh, <laughs> when I went to big school, now got seven bells of hell knocked out of him. <laughs> really? No, the older no, kids? No. Yeah, I mean, it, there was, it wasn't like bullying, but it was, I'm bigger than you. I mean, it wasn't oh, like... Oh, there was a bit of like, ten... get out of my way in the lunch kids. Yeah, it was stuff like that. But, uh, but it wasn't like pinning people to the ground or actually like punching them or anything there was none of that no no I'll, I'll agree with you there yeah the big the bigger kids never did that that was it was always in the same year group yeah no but it's in so many it's in so many american things and it's in so many stephen king i mean here we go i wonder i wonder with if stephen king was the one who got bullied or the stephen king was the one who bullied is my is my question. I mean, obviously, it's always in his writing. We're experts on America, um, so oh, yes. we can pretty confidently <laughs> put it down to: is this real, or is this just a trope of America? Like, do you know what I mean? Is is it just a stereotypical? Because I've never I've I've never been to America, so I couldn't I could not tell you. Like, if you go to a high school, if, like, all the jocks sit together and all the theatre kids stick together, is that just a trope that has forever existed in American movies and is so popular in American movies overseas and Americans have, have accepted it? Like, it, it's hard, isn't it? You also notice how American bullies in movies and stuff are always... They're always violent. Yeah, they're always... They're always hitting and pinning people and stuff like uk bullies like kids who are uk bullies they're they're like psychological tormentors i was gonna say uk bullying is more psychological whereas oh yeah uh, uh, american film bullies we should say are more physical and maybe that's just i think that's just a trope it's more i think a physical bullying is a lot easier to convey on screen than psychological bullying yeah, yeah. It just, it just, it's one of those things that always takes me out, takes me out of the film, because I just go, "That's a bit weird." Just call the police. Uh, well, I mean, talk about a film where literally just any get stitches about dead bodies, though. <laughs> just call the police. <laughs> You'd still be a hero. It's a, yeah, it's a yeah. dead kid. Now nah, we're going to go and what we're going to go and let me just get this straight. We're going to walk for two days to see it. This <laughs> body that's been what? there for what a week, so it's going to be rotting and stinky. We're going to make a stretch and carry it back for two days. So that's four yeah. days. And I, I, like, and when they get there, are they expecting to call the police? How are they going to call the police? It's the fifties, and they're in the middle of the woods. 
<laughs> yeah. This kid's been dead for a week and no one knew he's there. So, like, how are they expecting to... Uh, what? Is it plot holes? Is it stupidity of children? Well, this is this is why I feel like the book's been gutted out a bit. Surely the book's not that flimsy. Because this is a bit of a flimsy film. Stephen King said this was the best adaptation of any of his films at the time it was released. And that it was pretty perfect. Oh. So I think this is what the book is like. Yeah. But then Stephen King did say that isn't a hard thing to pass by. Because this is, I think, everything that had been adapted before that was utter rubbish. And obviously it's before Shawshank, which is a perfect film. Um, Yeah. And we are wailing on this film a bit. But it's a good film. Warranted. It's (laughs) something I wasn't expecting. Yeah, it's a coming-of-age film, but... It's a weird coming-of-age film. It's a Stephen King coming-of-age film. Yeah. But but do people forget that the reason they come of age is because they're trying to find a dead body? What? Why? 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 It's dark. It's very dark. It's needlessly dark, isn't it? It's needlessly dark without there actually being, like, a horror element. And I think that's why Stranger Things works better. Because it has some external horror, whereas this just is gloomy rather than dark, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's just odd. Right then. The boys begin their trip. After stopping at a junkyard for water, they are caught trespassing by the owner, Milo Pressman, and his dog, Chopper. Once they escape over a fence, Milo calls Teddy's mentally ill veteran father a loony and refers to how he almost burnt Teddy's ear off. An enraged Teddy tries to attack Milo, but the other boys restrain him. The four continue their hike, and Chris encourages Gordy to fulfil his potential as a writer, despite his father's disapproval. So the junkyard bit. Yeah. They're all having a lovely time just throwing rocks in a can and going for a walk. Why don't they just go for a walk and throw some rocks in a can? Because they wanted to, they want to be heroes. It, it's it's like the moment they set off to just before they find the body. Spoiler. I think that's what people remember about this film. Yeah, I think this the... this is the strongest part of the film. This is the coming of age. This is where the kids really shine. This is where the writing shines through. This is where like the storytelling is at its best. Um, and it's like the the body's just a weird plot device to get them to this point. Um, and it's a weird sort of MacGuffin. And it doesn't yeah, make the most amount of sense. And it could be literally anything else in the world. It could have been, oh, there's a there's a tree that looks like some boobs. Let's go and see that. It could be any... A, or a like a, a ring. Or a ring you need to throw into a volcano. Oh. Like any MacGuffin. Any, any MacGuffin that gets you from A to B to C. Why is it a body? Uh, Stephen King. That's what I'm putting it down to, Stephen King. 
It's the man gone, ooh, but what about if it's a body? But the whole Milo bit, though, and Chopper, I, I, again, really ropey, weird acting. And there's a bit of sort of unfired Chekhov gun about this. Where he goes, I know your parents, I'm going to tell them, blah, 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 there's going to be consequences, and then there's no consequences. Well, we don't know if there's any consequences. But then what's the point in it? What's the point in any of this film? It's because them to bond. and it's, and it's Yeah, it's just a weird... Well, it's to show that, that, that kids inflate stories and create yeah. legends about this dog that apparently only eats testicles. Um, and that's the whole point. And then you actually see the dog, and it's just some cute little dog, because it, it's it's story, isn't it? It's it's been sort of it's like whispers. It, it changes and changes and changes until it becomes this big violent story. When in fact, it was probably one kid who didn't want to admit that he was chased by. I don't even know what breed it is. Is it a Labrador? It was just, it was the nicest Labrador ever. Yeah, he's <laughs> just literally rolling on his that stomach. He got barked at by a Labrador, so I went, oh, it was a massive dog, and oh my God, it tried to eat my testicles. This whole bit's boys bonding, it's coming of age, it's what everyone, I think, tries to think back and imagine their childhood is like. Yeah, yeah. But we're British, and it was usually just sat drinking white lightning in a park. <laughs> My next criticism, then, for you to tackle, is uh, it's a coming-of-age film. However, Chris, who is introduced as being the one who's going to end up in prison, talks like a 30-year-old man for most of the film. And is, like, the voice of reason. And is super mature. So, when they cast this film... They cast each of the actors because that was their personalities. Mm-hmm. So Will Wheaton was a little bit nerdy and and shy like Gordy is. And incredibly good at running yeah. slowly whilst moving his legs a lot. River Phoenix was a pretty seasoned actor at this point, I believe. He's the oldest of the Phoenix clan. Mm-hmm. Older brother to Joaquin, who is... Still going to this day. Yeah, um, and it's incredible. Corey Feldman had a pretty rough upbringing as a kid. Um, and like his parents embezzled all his money away from him um, to the point where he got, I think, well, I, I can't remember what the exact word is, but he got divorced from his parents at 16 and found yeah. out they'd spent all of his money. Um, so pretty accurately matches that character. Mm. And then Jerry O'Connell... This is actually one of his first roles. Um, who plays Vern, but is funny like Vern. Like that's the character. They they are each their characters. I think you need that voice of reason, don't you? And it just oh, so yeah, happens that Chris is the most mature of the characters at this point. Um, played by one of yeah, the more I mature actors. Um bit it overly mature for a twelve year old. But then is that a problem you've got with the script or the book? Because if it's a pretty accurate representation of Both. the book... it could be it could either. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't care. I'll take, I'll take my anger out somewhere. 
has to be in Stephen King. There'll be Stephen King. It has to be on the the script writer. It'll be on the script writer. Yeah, I'm upset, and someone has to pay. I mean, that's that's pretty fair enough. Well, I'm just balancing out the movie because he was overly mature, so I'll just be overly childish in the review. Oh, nice. I I I I, I like when when a bit has to be explained. That really makes it funny. <laughs> that's like peak comedy for me. <laughs> While crossing a railroad bridge, Gordy and Vern are nearly killed by an approaching train, but jump off the tracks and escape serious injury. In the evening, as the boys camp, Gordy tells a fictional story he created about David Lardass Hogan, an obese boy who is constantly bullied. Seeking payback, he enters a pie-eating contest and throws up deliberately, inducing mass vomiting among everyone there. Um... That's a slow, slow train. It's a <laughs> slow, slow train, and the drivers can constantly see them. So it's a train with what? No brakes? Yeah. Because the drivers are looking at them, ringing the bell, telling them to move. And I'm like, those drivers are just going to run over four kids. And they're yeah, quite yeah. happy to do that. Um, well, yes, it would make I... a more boring film if the train stopped. But you could have, at that point, it's like the fourth set of adults who they've annoyed and you could have the train stop and the guys get out and go you, you gosh darn kids i know you your parents a, then you could have a chase or something yeah but at this point it's like the four set of adults that they've annoyed because i mean the first one would even say when they shot the gun in the back alley and the yeah the i mean fair play she didn't realize it was a gun she was fireworks but it's like adults keep seeing them and then there's you're right, there is no repercussions at the end, spoiler. Um, like, maybe the film went five minutes longer, they'd go in and see all the adults that they'd annoyed. Yeah. And Yeah. Hmm. Well, I, I think this is the best place to say I got sent off on a complete tangent of what I thought the movie was going to be. And I think that's why I struggled to enjoy it. Because I thought it was going to be a cooler movie. So get ready to for me to rewrite this plot. Okay. So Fixing films with Sam and Joel. Fixing films with Sam and Joel. It's been a while since we've I thought this film was going to be... Because we had the demonstration of Teddy playing chicken with the train. Yep. I thought that was a plot device to show you how much time there is to get out of the way of the train. I think that's what it was, was it not? So, they had established that this boy, Ray Brower, was probably hit by the train. And that's what everyone's assuming. Yeah. So, I thought they were going to find Ray Brower within halfway of the movie. And we've established it's super unlikely to get hit by this train. You need it, especially with this bridge scene. Even... When you're halfway across a bridge with gaps in it and everything, you can still run and get out of the way of these slow-ass trains. So I thought they were going to find the body and then find out that he wasn't killed by the train and then discover that this gang of boys, Vern's older brother, was the one to actually kill them. And it's going to be the story of them discovering that 
their older brothers <gasps> did this. They could have run them over with the car that they stole. Yeah. Exactly. <gasps> Goodness. And that was going to be like the plot point of the body. Oh, and then the body could still look the same. You could, you'd understand why they wouldn't want to go to the police because it's yes. not been hit by. Okay, because also, is the body anywhere near the train tracks? Not really. If I remember no, rightly, it's in the like they come, that's what I mean. They come off the train tracks, don't they, and go down a side road and then see it at like the corner of a lake. And I'm like, yeah. that's not been hit by a train. <gasps> oh my god! Conspiracy theory. I thought it was going to be like an American summer detective who who did it and that's why they were setting up the older boys so much that would have made this film a lot better so like i think i went through the film going cool i swear this said an hour and a half runtime but there's so much more for them to do and then when it just kind of ended with them finding the body i was like where's the rest of my film oh you know what if this film is ever remade that's how that should be fixed like that the older brothers killed him in the stolen car. That's why they didn't want to call the police. That explains why the body is nowhere near the train tracks. Yeah. Um, and they do say it was at night that he probably got hit. That would explain why the drivers of the train didn't see him. But at, at the drivers of the train would established to see boys on the track all the time and just to carry on driving. Yeah, yeah. They just don't care. They just don't care. Bit I did like... Is a demonstration of Gordy's storytelling. Mm. David Lardas. I, I enjoyed this bit. I liked it because, but it was one of them where, for a brief moment, I forgot that it was a story being told, and I thought this is all staged oddly, um, and a well, little no, bit I out did, of there. I, yeah, that's what I liked about no, it. No, no, it was really rough around the edges. Really liked it. Once my brain remembered that this was a story being told by a child, and obviously it makes sense that Lardass just has four pillows shoved down the front of his top um, yeah. and everything's inflated because adults wouldn't talk to a fat kid like this, um, or they certainly wouldn't these days. Um, and why he was eating four bites of a pie saying he was done. And I'm going, no, no, you're not done. You've got most of the pie left there uh what are the rules of this pie eating contest it doesn't matter because it's a children's story i enjoyed it. it even down to the lighting the directing everything about it i thought was really good it was the yeah. over the top outfits it, it 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 just screamed storybook yeah i agree with you i really liked it the next day the boys wade across a swamp discovering it's filled with leeches. Gordy faints after finding one in his underwear. After more hiking, the boys locate Ray Brower's body. The discovery traumatises Gordy, who asks Chris why Denny had to die, and cries about his father hating him. Chris comforts Gordy, and asserts that his father simply does not know him. This plot summary seems to have missed out all the flashbacks to... Gordy and his older brother. Yeah. Um, and how his older brother is clearly a ten times better father figure than his actual father. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I really like those flashbacks that showed that relationship. 
and I think it really helped establish why Gordy is the way he is because he's it's kind of a weird family dynamic isn't it like because there's nature versus nurture isn't there there is and it's a bit of both there's like everybody's got a bit of their mum in them everybody's got a bit of their dad in them everyone's got a bit of the, themselves in them uh these are three polar opposite characters. Well, I, it's one of them, isn't it? It's the older brother protecting the younger brother. Like, you believe that everything Gordy's going through, his older brother went to, went through as well, apart from the older brother just sort of took the bullet and just sort of, well, yeah, go on, I'll, I'll do the sports and I'll make him happy, which means that the younger brother can pursue storytelling and poetry and the arts like he wants to and then I can be that shield for him and then obviously he loses that shield when his brother dies and sort of the father I I know it's just a dream where he sees that his father says I wish you died instead of your brother but I fully believe that character probably said that to him at one point it's, yeah, well, it's I, I, British bullying at its finest, isn't it? It's yeah. mental manipulation. <laughs> I think I assumed these flashbacks were overhyped, and that's his memory of it. And he's a storyteller, so it'll be more than it actually was. I I, I thought this was a bit of unreliable narrating. I was fine with that. I took it with a pinch of salt. Yeah, every, thinking, everything. His dad probably isn't that bad. Like, because the, the parents were like slapstick horrible in the flashbacks. I'm sure they weren't that bad. Well, remember, these are flashbacks within a story. But, the whole film is a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But to to the kid, it, it that's how it felt. It was that bad. Yeah. I, I, Which again, yeah. quite liked. I liked that for a brief moment these characters got to act the age that they are in the water, even though they were just trying to drown each other. Um, but, yeah. I mean, you go into any swimming pool with teenage boys, they all just stand there and try and drown each other. That's fun. That's Absolutely, what we're like. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. Still like that, yeah. I mean, yeah. Probably, probably would, <laughs> probably would. If I was in a pool, I probably would try and drown my mates because fun. Wouldn't want to leech on uh, my testicles either. Um, no, but that it was an odd, odd, odd story. Beat, odd beat, wasn't leeches. it? I imagine yeah. it's an odd story beat because it was probably just in the book, and they went, yeah. "Yeah, let's do the testicle and the leech bit. That'd be f- funny." And it was a singular. Huh. From me, it was a. We don't want that. <laughs> you know when you watch a piece of TV or movie and go, "Could have cut that five minutes. That was pointless." All right, carry on, please. We've, we've, yeah, we've had enough. We've had enough character on, building. Please. You know what, Joel? Move on. Yeah, Ace and his gang arrived, claimed the body, and threatened to hurt the boys if they stay. When Chris insults Ace and does not back down, Ace draws a switchblade. Gordy gets the gun 
and fires a warning shot and stands beside Chris while pointing the gun at Ace. Ace demands the weapon, but Gordy refuses while insulting and threatening him. Ace and his gang vow revenge and leave. The boys decide it would be wrong to exploit Brower's death and instead report the discovery via an anonymous phone call. They walk back to Castle Rock and part ways. I don't like this bit. I don't see. The I don't like this bit at all. <laughs> Nothing. No. No. Single character after Ace turns up acts like a human being would. It becomes. No. It becomes stereotypical tropes, um, and like plot points and dialogue and. Ace isn't going to kill the boys, but yes, he is. Oh, no, it's all right. I've got a gun. Gun beats knife. Um, you're going to leave now. Yes, okay, we're going to leave, but we will have revenge on you. It's what? And then they just leave and leave the boys? It's like all you do is wait for them to put the gun down, come back, and what? 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 what is Ace going to do? What is the whole point of this? It's pointless. It's annoying. It's, it's stupid. It's, it's a film. It's one big... Is that it? <laughs> Isn't it? I really like them discovering the it? body. Is that what we've been building up to? Just, You know what? Cut Ace out of this film. Yeah. yeah I get... Well, I... That's, why I thought, that's why I thought it was going to be like, it turns out it's them that killed it, and they want to cover it up or something. Yeah, no, that would have... That would make this whole part... It could still sort of happen. You just change some of the dialogue. Um, but yeah because of this doesn't happen cut all of this bit maybe i mean i don't think it'll make the film i think the whole point is there is to buff the time because yeah. it's, a, it's a 90 minute film pretty much if you cut ace out of it, it becomes a what like an, a, hour. an hour yeah it becomes an episode of tv not a yeah. film that's why it's there and it, it like I, I think that's one of the things about this film. It was an episode of TV worth of content. It, it, it literally was. Everything was dragged out. Um, and that's not even the end of the plot. It's just... it's Yeah. <laughs> and, like... I, I did think them discovering the body and then being like, oh, it's amazing. Oh, it's not... It's, this isn't amazing. This is pretty awful. Was quite good. But then I don't really understand why 12-year-olds were going, let's go see a dead body. But that didn't work for me at the start. <laughs> no, the whole reason for them going isn't... It's teenage curiosity, but even then it's... What? Yeah. No, it's all weird. All weird. Do the final better plot. Back in the present day, Gordy finishes his memoir... Of the experience. He notes that Vern and Teddy separated from him and Chris in junior high. Vern married after high school, had four children and became a forklift operator. Teddy tried to get into the army but failed due to his damaged ear and his poor eyesight and instead ended up serving time in jail. Chris took college prep courses with Gordy and despite struggling later became a lawyer with the two eventually drifting apart. While recently attempting to break up a fight in a restaurant, Chris was stabbed to death. Gordy writes, although he'd not seen Chris in over a decade, he'll miss him forever. He ends his story with, I never had any friends later on like the ones I had when I was 12. 
Jesus, does anyone? Before going outside to play with his son. I mean... Right, so, the, the Chris being stabbed to death bit. What? Just don't tell me that. Well, it's, it's set up at the beginning, isn't it? You see it in the newspaper. It says... Yeah. Chris and his last name stabbed to death. Stabbed to death. But you don't oh, realise the significance like, oh. of it. And you're going, why is this... Why? <laughs> I just went, uh, fine. <laughs> I went, oh, lovely little bit of exposition here about how all these... A more interesting story than the story we've maybe just seen. Um, yeah, but... And it's all pointless because none of them hung out ever again. Because maybe the body had something to do with it. No, it didn't. They just drifted and it becomes a... Oh, everyone remember back to your childhood days. Maybe this, you should this get ending, into contact. This ending was the same as, and it was all a dream, it, isn't it? Pretty much. None of it mattered. Yeah, went, we didn't stay best friends forever. It's the this, most this... anticlimactic. Because it's like a childhood coming of age bonding film. And But they didn't come of age. No, it pushes them bond. further apart? Question yeah. mark. I'm, I'm just yeah. I'm done. I'm done talking about it. I won't lie. I came in to this film liking it more than now I've talked about it. Yeah, so the did more I. I've thought about this film, the less I like it. Yep, I'm exactly the same. The moment they set out to find the dead body, to the point where they find the dead body, it's a pretty good film. Um, yeah. It's drawn out. Sorry, it's not a pretty good film. It's a pretty good episode of TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That stretched out over the course of a film. Um, I, th- uh, I think this has been made better since Stranger Things. I think this has been, like, referenced and homaged better. Um, Rick and Morty did a version of it. The Simpsons did mm-hmm. a version of it. Um, all of All of them are better than this because it yeah. it just has the highlights which is that middle bit so when i my initial gut reaction to this film if we're doing scores on the doors yeah scores on the doors i was gonna give it a six i was gonna give it a six i think it might get a 5.5 now yeah i think i'm gonna give it a five point five point three i think it's inspired great things i thought that that's my three it's it's influence on pop culture is better than this actual film, I feel. Uh, this was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Screenplay. Um, yeah, it was it was it was a mid film. It was mid 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 mid, and I think it should be. I think it'll be pretty mid on our tier list. Right, Joel. Next week, I'm going to choose a film that is up there as one of my favourite films. Ooh, we haven't done a film that you've seen that I haven't seen. We've done a few films that I've seen that you've not seen. So I think it's about time that I make you watch The Truman Show. Oh, I have no idea what that's about. Excellent. Go with the outro. After filming this episode of the podcast, myself and Sam... Drifted apart. Sam became a forklift operator, but quickly died from getting stabbed in the neck by a digger driver 
in the famous war of the forklift drivers and the digger drivers of 2024. I like Sam. He was alright. Bye! Bye. You're dead. Oh. Bye. There, I'm a zombie. <laughs> Worst depression. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the 1001 Movies We Have Not Seen podcast. You can subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice or follow us on Insta at 1001 Movies Not Seen Pod. We have new episodes every Thursday. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week. I just looked in there for an hour and a half. How did I not notice that here? I'm not even sure what I can't take my eyes off it. I'm still staring yeah, at no, it. Yeah, I know, yeah. It semi-ruined the movie for me. I want to chew it. Why do I want to chew it? Oh, no, please. That actually makes me feel sick. <laughs> <laughs> uh.